type one-handed. But I've learned over the last few years to, to be able to do my sermons while, whilst holding a baby. So it's a bit challenging um, sometimes. So trying to find some quietness in my house um, can be, at times, very challenging. But it's quite nice this morning, isn't it? Just uh, peace and quiet. <laughs> Um, I don't know if many of you were here last night, um, a few of you were, so we had um, All In, is it called All In Managing, Chloe? Yes. Um, so it's great to see, I don't know, 30-odd um, teenagers worshipping God last night in here, and it was just, I was sort of standing at the back, um, but it was just really encouraging to, to see them all learning together, um, really singing and worshipping God, so it was just really, just thought I'd encourage you with that this morning. So we continue our um, passage in Matthew uh, this morning. Suddenly um, changes track um, on this chapter, um, coming to really the climax of Jesus' ministry on earth. Um, as we've um, gone through the, the book of Matthew, we've seen many, many things. Um, and we probably, we probably, hopefully we've learned many things about the life of Jesus and how we pl- apply that to our lives. So we've seen the birth of Jesus. We've seen instructions on how to live so that the sermon on the mount for example uh, jesus calling his followers healing forgiveness of sins dealing demon possession um, dealing with demon possession parables miracles foretelling the future uh, about jesus death and resurrection there's so much about jesus life that we've learned and we've seen very much so that um his power jesus power his compassion his love his forgiveness um, but now we see very much Jesus being obedient to his calling, be, well, to, his, to his mission on, on earth. Why is he on earth? He's obedient to death. It says in God's word that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And many people didn't really realize at the time, and I suppose that's very true of today. Many people don't realize what Jesus has done. Um, and, and suddenly in, in Jesus' time, people didn't realize why Jesus was there. Um, and... Every, every day we read a, a devotional to Gideon, it's very short, um, but one of, one of the devotionals said this, it was about Joseph, it says, we can't always see God's plan along the way, but there will come a time when it all makes sense. It's interesting, isn't it, in a, in a children's devotional, but I was really challenged by that. We can't always see God's plan along the way, but there it come, will come a time when it all makes sense. And that's certainly true, I think. I presume you can see that in your own lives, certainly in my own life in different circumstances. I've seen that it's been difficult, difficult times, but God has a, has, a, has a plan and it does all make sense. And one day, obviously, we'll be in glory and it will all come together. But I just put this down. We just need to trust. Easier to, easier to say than, than to do sometimes. But today's passage really is, it starts that journey to the cross. Um, and as we um, start this account, and different people will, will obviously come and, and take different passages into the, to the end of, of this book, but I thought, um, I came across this, um, um, which I'm going to read to you now, but it, was, it really made me think about how, as we, as we come to, to, to Jesus' last days, so it says this, are we worthy of God's love? God creates the entire solar system, our universe, everything we come into contact today. It is, it is all because God created it or somewhat allowed it to happen. He even created us. So we can say he's pretty much the boss of all bosses, king of kings, right? If we already know this, we are, we, um, what we, uh, sorry, 
if we already know this, what are we possibly thinking when we consider for a split second that someone so small or so imperfect in this super big world solar system and everything else above and beyond them can earn his love? Again, he is our, he is our almighty God. He is so big that no words in history of all dictionaries can ever in this world can fully describe the magnitude of God. And yet even though God is so big and beyond what words can ever fathom, he loved each and every one of us. This is not just some ordinary love, like, it's very American this, um, like a girl falls into, in love with a girl or the other way around. It's not even like the love of a parent. His love is higher, deeper, wider, and stronger than anything we can ever imagine. His love is higher, deeper, wider, and stronger than anything we could ever imagine. Isn't that amazing? God's love for each one of us. Let's pray again as we, before we go into this um, passage. Lord, we thank you again for this uh, day. Thank you we can, we can come and delve again into your word. Help us, Lord, each one of us, myself included, to be challenged by your word. Help us to be changed, be more like you in our outlook, in the things we think about, in the things that we do. We pray, Lord, that you'll teach each one of us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so we're going to look at um, Matthew 26 this morning. We'll be on the screen. If you've got your Bibles in front of you, it'd be great to um, follow along. Um, so, so the first bit we're going to read is Matthew 26, verses 1 to 5, and then verses 14 to 16. Okay, so starting at uh, chapter 26, verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all these things, he said to his disciples, As you know, the Passover is two days away. The Son of Man will be handed over to be crucified. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, he said, or there may be a riot among the people. So moving along um, to verse 14. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. From then on, Judas watched for an uh, opportunity to hand him over. <clears throat> so back in, in, in um, chapter 16, Jesus predicts his, his death. He said that, that he must be killed and, and, ra- and on the third day be raised to life. So all around Jesus, we see people are trying to get rid of him. So in all the, the things that he's doing, all the, the helping of the poor, the, the healing, the forgiveness... We, we, we see at every turn that people in authority, chief priests, elders, even his supposed friend, is out there to betray him, to get rid of him. Um, Jesus has told his, told his disciples that uh, about three times that he'll, he'll be, he will die and be raised to life. But in this passage, he explains for the first time that it will take place uh, during Passover. So the time has now come for Jesus to fulfill his mission. So we see lots of things that Jesus has been doing, but now we see his purpose. He came to die for each one of us on the cross. So Jesus knew his purpose. He knew what he was here to do. He knew what the deceitful schemes were, and he knew who his enemies were. But Jesus knew what he had to do. 
So with all this scheming and, and plotting and betrayal and friends uh, betraying him, Jesus didn't divert from his purpose and mission. And that was to reconcile us to God through Jesus Christ. But would we react in the same way? So are we being attacked on every turn? Do people challenge what we say? So is it, Jesus is certainly that, that example for us to follow. So, so Jesus didn't divert from his mission. So what is our sole purpose as Christians? So I'm going to hand it over to the congregation this morning. Any ideas? What is our, what's our sole purpose as Christians? So you can shout out. Bit of, win others, that's one. Yep. Bit of audience participation. Keep you awake this morning. Serve God, yep. Is that you, Kath? Oh, sorry. Lydia, thank you. Yes. Um, so I was having a bit of a think about this um, in, in preparation. So what is our sole purpose as Christians? But really, some of these things come from that. But what I've put down here is, is to glorify God. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's everything that's in us. And I think I've spoken, to, spoken about that before. It's so everything that is in us to love God. And that is our for, first and foremost responsibility, or well, not responsibility, but our, our, our purpose as Christians is to, to glorify him, to honor him in the things that we do. And then, and then in turn, we will be more like Christ, more like Christ in our actions, in our wanting to tell others about Christ. Uh, Isaiah 43 says this, everyone who is called by my name and whom I have cre- have created for my glory, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory. So according to the Bible, our purpose and reason we are here is to, to give glory to God. It's, it's for God's glory. So in other words, our purpose is to praise God, is to worship him, to proclaim his greatness, and to accomplish his will. This is what glorifies him. Therefore, in this, we find God has given us a reason for our existence, a meaning for our existence. According to his desire, um, we are created by him according to his desire, and our lives are to, be, are to be lived for him so that we accomplish his will. Does that make sense? We are to trust the one who has made us, then we are able to live a life of purpose. Paul in Philippians said this, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight. And that's certainly our prayer, isn't it, daily, that we will develop, we will will gain knowledge, depth of insight into our almighty living God, our saviour, our creator. That we will grow daily in the knowledge and depth of insight of God. Okay, so we're going to carry on. to the next part of our passage this morning. So it's really just a, a quick um, part on, 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 that, on that section. The next section is really about um, Jesus being anointed, a very, very well-known um, passage. Um, so we're going to look at that this morning, Matthew 26, uh, verses 6 to 13. <clears throat> While Jesus was in Bethany, in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as as he was reclining at the table. 
When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price, price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, wherever this this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will be also told in memory of her. So the woman was obedient, really. Um, she was in the home of Simon the leper. She, she came with this alabaster jar and anointed Jesus for his, his, his death, his, his burial. And my thoughts really this morning have, have sort of gone, gone off basically what she's done, but really how she's done it, if that makes sense. So this passage really made me think this morning. If, if this woman came to Jesus, and I was thinking, well... How do we come to Jesus? How do we come to God? So not really as non-Christians, but as, as Christians. How do we, do we approach Jesus in our daily lives? How do we approach him every day? How do we approach God? So the woman, came, the woman gave Jesus the love and attention he very much deserved. But she understood more because she was in a place of the greatest understanding. She was at the feet of Jesus. So she understood because she was in the place of greatest understanding, she was at the feet of Jesus. So we only get to know somebody if we spend time with them. But this woman was at the feet of Jesus, so she was at the greatest understanding. So when Mary anointed Jesus, it not only showed an amazing act of love, but gives us a glimpse of how to approach, approach God. There's a song that, um, it's probably quite an old song actually, um, that we, we don't sing here, but I, I listen to it occasionally um, in, the, in the car. Um, and the words, of the words of this song goes, goes like this. It says, On bended knee I come, with a humble heart I come, bowing down before your holy th- throne, lifting holy hands to you as I pledge my love anew. I worship you in spirit. I worship you in truth. Make my life a holy praise unto you. So we need to approach God with that that humble heart on bended knee. Maybe it's not so much bending our knee every day, but maybe it is. Maybe it's a time where we go to a a quiet place. We, we we, We go on bended knee by our bedside. Um... And that's between you and God, isn't it? But most of the religious leaders of Christ's day saw themselves as being superior to Jesus. They, in, in their arrogance, they looked down on the one person that, that could save them. They were, they were, they were proud. They, they didn't even acknowledge Jesus as being the one who could save them from, from death itself. Uh, when people in the Old Testament had encounters with God, they, they, they fell on their faces. If God was present, they took their shoes off. Today, we have Jesus who's died in that place so we can access God, but we still have a God that we worship. We still have a God that we should fear every day, fear in, in reverence, in, in respect. 
the key to approaching God is, is summed up in, in many ways in, in Hebrews. It says this, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who share in the heavenly calling, fix your, uh, th- fix your thoughts on Jesus. <clears throat> fix your thoughts on Jesus. And we live in a, a world that's so busy, isn't it? We get up, we, we're, we're going to work, we're out, out and about doing things. How many times do we, do, we, do we take that conscious effort to fix our thoughts on Jesus? So in our, if we turn our thoughts to sin, rather than keeping our mind on Christ, we, we lose that close walk, walk with Christ. I've certainly seen that in my own life. It's, uh, I've come to the, 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 the view, maybe, that the Christian life is very much up and down. Sometimes we're, you know, we're reading the Bible and we're, we're growing, growing in our knowledge of Christ and we're, we're praying a little bit better than, than, well, I find it really hard to pray. But, um, and, and sometimes we, we're at that point, aren't we, where we're, where we're really meeting with Christ. But then there's other things that happen in life, things that take us away from that, things that, that maybe divert our, our fix on Jesus. Uh, back in um, Genesis uh, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God's command. And we, we touched on this in growth groups on, on Wednesday. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? We, you know, I've read the Bible a few times, and you, you just can't take it all in, can you? You just cannot take it all in. And um, when, when um, Adam and Eve disobeyed Christ, disobeyed God, they felt ashamed. They hid themselves. They, they got fig leaves and hid themselves because they felt ashamed. But even back in Genesis, we see an amazing glimpse of, of, of forgiveness. Um, in Genesis chapter 3, it says, The Lord made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothed them. So th- it wasn't Adam and Eve that made the garments of clothes. It says that the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and clothed them. What an amazing picture of Christ's forgiveness, even back in Genesis. So we see Adam and Eve punished. We see um, God's judgment. But we see that amazing glimpse of forgiveness a picture of restoration, a picture of restoring relationships. And we know that God is a God of forgiveness many, many times. Um, and we need to give thanks to God for that. Lamentation says this, the Lord is good to those who seek him. So, but, but seeking God or, or approaching him takes, takes preparation maybe. We need to come to him with hearts that are open, that are ready. Sometimes... I'm certainly guilty of it as well. We sort of rush through our devotionals. Um, my mornings are slightly chaotic. Um, but we have a God that, that knows what we go through. Um, and sometimes we, we maybe rush our devotionals because we're trying to get on with something else. And you know, I'm speaking from, I'm confessing my own <laughs> um, shortcomings here. But you know, God is a, a God that, that can relate to us, can understand us. Um, but do we come to God with that, that really, that, that, that sort of preparation? Do we prepare ourselves to, to meet with him? Do we prepare ourselves to, to be changed, to be challenged, to, um, yeah, just to, to really meet with the, our living saviour, ready to do his will? So the pouring of ointment onto, onto the Lord's head in, in this passage this morning, it was, it was a conscious act. It was a uh, prepared act. She, she had prepared she was prepared to do that. Um, she intended and planned to do it. But how often do we pr- prepare again to, to approach or meet God? Maybe in our, in our prayer life, in our quiet times, in our, in our church life. How often do we come to church and 
feel, feel unprepared or prepared to meet with God. You know, I, I'm, I'm speaking here from the platform this morning, but, you know, my, as I said before, my mornings are, are, are busy. Um, you know, I've got a, I don't know how old Ezra is now. Uh, <laughs> Gemma's not here to ask her, but um, <laughs> three months or whatever. Um, and then Gideon, uh, two and a half. So it's just busy in the mornings, isn't it? So, you know, Gideon's awake at whatever time. Ezra's crying and, and, and trying to get to church for half nine or half ten is, is, is challenging. Um, so how, how do we pr- prepare ourselves to come to church? Do we, do we spend that quiet time with God? Do we, do we spend it the night before and say, you know, Lord, pl- please reveal to me your word in the mo- in, in, at church in the morning. Please help me to, to take away the focus of other things in, in the world and, 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 and focus on you as we worship. But God is also interested in the, in the individual parts of our lives, isn't he? So even though we come to church, it's not, it's not to, to forget everything that's going on in the world, everything that's going on in our lives, the good, the bad things. God is a God that, that loves us so much that wants to be part, part of that, part of our lives. <clears throat> I'm making sense this morning. Um, two more questions as we, um, as we um, close, well, close um, the sermon, this sermon this morning. Just um, two more thoughts, really. Um, one is on the anointing of Jesus and what does that actually mean? And the other one is, how are we as followers anointed? So always trying to apply that. So you know, Jesus was anointed, but how, what, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for each one of us? So what does it mean that Jesus is anointed? Well, Mary knew the true identity and purpose of God, purpose of Jesus. This act revealed that she knew Christ as, as king, as priest, as, as saviour. Throughout the Old Testament, we, Old Testament, we see many examples of, of anointing, of anointing kings and prophets and, and priests. So she recognised um, Jesus as king. She recognised him as king of kings and lord of lords. She recognized Jesus as, as priest. So as priests were anointed, this is in keeping with the fact that Jesus is, as I think Hebrews again, that Jesus is, is the great high priest. And he's about to make an atonement for our sins. Atonement for our sins as he, as he dies on that cross. And she also sees him as saviour. Jesus said, said he, had, he had to die. She recognized her sin and she recognized her need for a saviour. So really, I wonder, do you see Jesus as all these things this morning? Do you see Jesus as as king, as priest, as saviour? Do you recognise Jesus as lord of your life? Maybe this is a time where you want to recommit or commit your life to Jesus. Maybe it's a time in the the stillness that we, we sit here this morning to do that do you recognize jesus as lord of your life do you recognize your sin do you recognize your need for a savior even many of us who've been christians for for many years we still need to recognize jesus as the the person we go to the person we go to for, for that forgiveness of sin so mary knew jesus she knew, knew who she was who he was and she recognized him as king, as priest, as saviour, in that anointing of Jesus. <clears throat> but 
how are we as followers anointed? How are we as Christians anointed? In scripture, anointing were sacred moments where an individual or an object was smeared with oil and commissioned to accomplish a particular task. It symbolized that God had set them apart for a special purpose. It typically referred to the priesthood or to prophets or kings. They were anointed for a specific task. And so Jesus was anointed here for a specific task. To die on the cross, be buried and raised to life. Jesus was anointed for burial. But in the New Testament, however, the Bible tells us that Christians are also anointed. 1 John says this, As for you, the anointing you received from him remains in you. 2 Corinthians says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us. Isn't that amazing? Set his seal of ownership on us. Amazing. And put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So as Christians, we stand as being children of God and have been empowered by the Holy Spirit to live out our faith. As a result, those who are anointed are not only those who are seen as exceptional or especially close to God, we have all been anointed. So as Christians, we have all been anointed. So the question is not, not are we anointed, but this is an interesting question next. Will we use the anointing the Lord has given us to fully live out our faith and give the highest honour and glory to God? So I'll say that again. Will we use the anointing the Lord has given us to fully live out our faith and give the highest honour and glory to God? So we've all been anointed for a purpose, and we need to fulfil that purpose and will of God in our lives. Maybe that's leading, preaching, helping the poor, encouraging others, speaking to our neighbour about Christ, serving one another, playing instruments, praying, being a prayer warrior, using our gifts and abilities. Um, but Le- Leviticus, and again it's repeated uh, in 1 Peter, tells, says this. It says, For I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves therefore and be holy, for I am holy. So what does that mean for us every day? So I'm going to ask you another question. Keep you on your toes. Anyone tell me what, what being holy means? I can see Ray mouthing it. But <laughs> you can shout out, you know. Ray, what, what did you say? What did you say? Yeah. So, so this passage in, in Leviticus 11 says, For the Lord your God, um, for I'm the Lord your God, consecrate yourselves, therefore, for, and be holy, for I am holy. So we know the Lord is holy. We've sung about it, about it this morning. But for us every day, for us being holy means that we are set apart for God. So, so in, 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 in practice, that means that we are... We are God. We are gods. Um, we belong to him. We are, not, not that we are gods, but um, we, we belong to God um, and not to, to man or anything else in this world. We need to be set apart for him. So daily um, doing that. Um, another song we're going to sing um, at the end. Um, 
a song that we sing quite regularly here um, called Purify My Heart. Um, and the words go like this. It says, Refiner's fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master, ready to do your will. And I know we all, we all struggle every day with sin. We struggle every day to, to be in that place where we are set apart for him. We have conflicting priorities, maybe. But every day we need to make that conscious choice, don't we? Make that conscious choice to be set apart for him. So maybe it is getting up in the morning and saying, God, how, how do, you want to, do you want to use me today? Lord, I am yours. I'm set apart for you to do your will. Not my will. I'm set apart to do God's will. So it's making that conscious choice to follow him. So many of us have made that choice as Christians to, to follow him. And we do try and do that. But how do we make that conscious choice to be set apart for him? I choose to be holy, set apart for you, my master. So I go back, I really just, just go, as, we, as we finish this morning, I go back to that question I asked um, earlier. Will you use the anointing the Lord has given you? Will you, will you use the, Lord, the anointing the Lord has given you to fully live out your faith? And give the highest honour and glory to God. And again, going back to that devotional of Gideon's. We can't always see God's plan along the way. But there will come a time when it will all make sense. We need to trust in him. Trust in God. Trust that, that he has our futures. His, our future is in his hands. Where better do we want to be? And in glory when we are... Worshipping him forever, we are, will be in a place where, we, where we, we will be with Christ. Be with Christ, which is far better, as it says in, in God's word. But will you use the anointing the Lord has given you to fully live out your faith and give the highest honour and glory to God? Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for this passage. Thank you that um, even with all, the, all the scheming and the, and the plotting and everything that was going around, that, that you weren't, you didn't divert from your purpose, your calling, your what you were here to do. But we thank you for for Mary's obedience in this passage, that she knew you as as king, as as priest, as saviour. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that we can come to you anytime, anywhere, with our, our thoughts, our worries, our, our questions. Lord, we thank you for your saving grace. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that um, you died in, in, in my place. You died on that cross for each one of us. But Lord, help us day by day to to choose to be holy, to choose to be set apart for you, to give glory to you, not to, to man or to the things that maybe we feel are, are what we want to do, but help us, Lord, to be set apart, to do your will, to be ready to do your will. And 
Help us day by day to acknowledge you as Lord of our life. Be in complete control. Help us, Lord, to have an undivided heart. That our heart will be completely yours. Purify my heart. This is my one desire. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.